Jam Journals is a proud partner of Yesterday's Concert Podcast and member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. The hotel room was cheap and it showed in every possible way. The bedspread had stains, the carpet had stains, the windows had stains, the tub had stains, and even the television had a stain. I just assumed it was in my best interest to never question a stain in a cheap motel. I reclined in a stained chair next to the window and grabbed my book. It might have been the safest place to sit. I cracked open Willie Nelson's autobiography and began reading the adventures of a man who's lived a full life ten times over. I'd say it was purely coincidental that he was also the artist on deck for tonight's entertainment, but that was a lie. I've been working through his book for weeks now, and this trip was a last minute venture. I couldn't help myself. I had become enamored with Willie Nelson, his music, life, and legacy. Willie is a monolith of the music industry. I couldn't satiate my desire to learn more about him, the life he lived, the music he made, the establishment he fought. The stories he curated in his book simultaneously humanized him as well as expanded his legend. The 12-hour round trip to Chattanooga seemed like a morning commute for a man of his stature. But more than anything else, I'd fallen in love with his music, the original outlaw. He had songs that spoke to life's dreams and trials. Willie set a precedent for country artists before it was infiltrated by the boys in skin-tight designer jeans with the word juicy bedazzled on their backside. There was no one denying the John Wayne grit of Shotgun Willie's soul, but he shared it like Luther Vandross. Almost a decade earlier, I saw Willie for the first time. He was the opener for another artist. I went in for the novelty of it. Willie Nelson, the pop culture caricature. Let's all smoke a joint and see old Willie. But there was no respect for his legacy, just the story of getting high at the concert of a known stoner. But tonight was different though. I came to pay homage to one of country music's greatest artists. I settled into a stained chair and checked my watch. Only six more hours until showtime. Welcome concert goers, music fanatics, and whiskey rivers. My name is Lance Ingram, and this episode of Jam Journal, we open the pages to October 21st, 2017. Grab your earplugs as we go to Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Auditorium in Chattanooga, Tennessee, for Willie Nelson. No introduction or notice was given that the show had started. Willie was center stage and strapped to him to his guitar before we knew what was happening. The lights had barely dimmed and there was no fanfare to dilute his welcoming. His beaten and famous guitar, Trigger, caught his flailing hands as he banged out the chords of Whiskey River. The instrument was jarring and high in the mix. Whiskey River, take my mind. Don't let her memory torture me, he spoke. Caught between surprise and excitement, the crowd shot to their feet and those that could dance did so in the aisles. The audience was a direct reflection of Willie himself, stoners and rednecks. The rednecks double-fisted beers and threw him in the air when he started singing. The hippies grinned through tight eyes. Willie's older fans were just as active. Many pounded beers like they were young rednecks again. I pitied their Sunday morning coming down. Willie's age was instantly prominent. All subtlety to his guitar playing was lost with each rigid strum. His voice had worn from a fine croon to an old man rap. He spoke each stanza with as much flourish as an antique vocal cords could muster. But for every note that sounded uneven, there was an irrefutable reverence to his voice. 
Like most older theaters, it was a large ornate room with ceilings that stretched to the sky. There were few modern accommodations, including a lack of video screens. Seated about halfway back in the nearly 5,000 person theater, the stage was deceptively far away. I could see Willie was an old man, but so was Mick Jagger. He looked exactly how my picturesque character imagined him, which was just the same Willie from 20 years ago, which was also the same character from 20 years before that. The band seeked directly into Still Is Still Moving. With such ease, it was obvious that this was a transition that was second nature, and shortly thereafter he seeked again into Beer For My Horses. But even when he wasn't stringing together medleys, Willie wasted no time between songs. There wasn't any in 1974 we recorded this song in Austin, Texas. His banner was virtually non-existent. It was hit after hit after hit. The mark of a true legacy artist. As he started the Toby Keith song, Willie's voice began to settle. It was less of a rap and something a little more melodic. He was straining less to get out each stanza. It wasn't great, but at least he sounded more like himself. Let's do one for Waylon, Willie said. His hands started strumming double time. The crowd screamed when they recognized the song was Good Hearted Woman. Heads bounced to the choo-choo chugging rhythm. They sang every line like it was their last night on earth. Ushers patrolled the aisles asking people to step back to their seats. But when one returned, two more found the aisle. The scene looked like a rowdy redneck bar on a Friday night. Inhibitions were lost. People had waited their whole life for this moment. This good-hearted woman, Willie stepped back from the microphone almost instinctually. Loving her good-timing man, the crowd nailed the call in response to the lyrics. I hear ya, Willie shouted back. Again, wasting no time, Willie seeged into the next song. Don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Every cowboy hat in the room took the sky. Regardless if you were a redneck or a freak, for those two and a half minutes, Everyone had a little black and white true good western unleashed. Somebody give me some buttless chaps. This wasn't my first rodeo with a senior citizen artist, but I questioned what I'd gotten myself into. Despite sounding every bit his age, there was still a reverence for Willie. After seeing so many classic rock acts, somehow this wasn't falling in line with the other legacy acts. This was our collective grandfather still impressing us with his tales on Christmas. Sure, we'd all talk about how much Gramps has aged after he'd gone to bed, but he wasn't slowing down. If you've got the money, honey, I've got the time. Willie was unrelenting in his set. There were no breaks or breathers. The crowd lost their mind. Yet another crowd favorite. Willie was back to rapping, though. He couldn't keep up with the lyrics, but the crowd tried to pick up the slack. But where most of the crowd took a breather, Giorgio on my mind was the one that got me. Performance-wise, it was nothing compared to his original recording, but legends still hit as only legends can. It was a chance to see Willie Nelson was rapidly approaching the end. We aren't looking at decades of performances in his future. At best, we're looking at a few more years. The chance to hear Willie sing these songs live was winding down. Yet the crowd leaned into the moment. Lovers held each other and shared a kiss while they danced slowly. Some screamed at the end of every stanza. I was transfixed by the song, though. Its representation far outweighed the performance. No sooner had the sustain a trigger died was Willie already moving into the next song. The piano played sweetly and quietly. It was a gospel intro. Willie dropped his hands to his side, trigger rested on his chest, and he stepped to the microphone. Maybe I didn't love you quite as often as I could have. The audience erupted, and it became apparent what was about to happen. Willie was about to burn it down. Don't do it, Willie, 
Don't you do it! A voice behind me screamed. I turned to see a couple behind me. They were in their mid-sixties with homemade shirts that were in the cursive styling of Willie's album, To Lefty From Willie. Their shirts read, To Willie From Sharon and Ted. How cute. The entire show, they danced harder and sang louder than anyone in the room. During the heart-wrenching hit, Always On My Mind, Ted threw one hand in the air and clutched his chest with the other before shouting again, Don't do it, Willie. Don't you do that to me. Searching for the nearest usher, I thought the guy was having a heart attack. Ted dropped his volume, closed his eyes, and sang along under his breath. It was obvious that Sharon and Ted were the diehards. I had no doubt that they have traveled the country to see Willie hundreds of times. But during a song like this, I understood it. For a singer who performs a similar set list each night, the guts of the song still gushed through every syllable. Willie ended the show with a gospel medley of The Circle Be Unbroken, I'll Fly Away, and I Saw the Light. I knew Willie was of strong religious conviction, but I wasn't expecting a full revival to end the show. Church is out, y'all. It was Dixieland to its core. Willie stuck around as the band jammed out the final song so he could fling his hat and trademark bandana to a few female fans in the front row. An hour after stepping on stage, Willie was gone and the house lights were back on. The show was over. That's it? 60 minutes? In his autobiography, he mentioned these epic three-hour shows and that he was still doing them. But this was quite short of that. The primarily senior crowd couldn't get over themselves, though. Moving slowly out of the exits behind walkers and small, shuffling footsteps, there's plenty of time to hear the immediate reports. I have never seen you act like that before. You were so excited, a lady in her mid-80s said, clutching her husband's arm. That was just really something. Something special. It's easy to be cynical about people's lofty claims in the immediate aftermath of a show. Rarely do I leave a show without hearing the phrase at least a dozen times. Best show ever. Best show ever. Music has that ability to draw such an emotional pull that it's difficult not to take a beat before assessing such a lofty claim. But choking back the air of overabundant perfumes and mothballs, these claims weren't too earnest and wholesome to Riley dismiss. What that lady was lauding wasn't the best show ever. It was her husband's response to the music. This guy likely grew up with Willie Nelson on the family radio. His first concert may have been Willie. Maybe the couple's first dance had been to Always On My Mind or Let It Be Me. Whatever this couple's connection to Willie was, they weren't revering the performance. They were extolling their relationship to the singer and his songs. But for all my disappointments to that show, they were responding to Willie's legacy. The show was the literal embodiment of a 60-year career. Call it what you want, but we had just seen a legend. Less than a month later, I was walking into a casino theater in the Mississippi Delta for round two with Willie. Even after the Chattanooga show, I ponied up for the front row VIP package. My expectations had been realigned, and for all I knew, this could be my last chance to see the legend alive. I couldn't let it pass me by. Before the show, Willie's guitar trigger sat center stage, a mere 15 feet away from me. It was beaten to death and looked brittle to the point of blowing to dust. But it was like touring the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This was one of the most legendary instruments in music history. You could put it next to Robert Johnson's guitar and no one would say it was out of place. I approached the stage, resting my elbows on the stage floor and took several photos. I rested there a moment just to take it all in. I mean, I was front row. What are they going to do about it? Ask me to go back to my seat? The legacy of Willie Nelson hasn't left me. The calls of his fans leaving the Chattanooga show echoed. This time I wouldn't be so far away. 
I could see everything the front rows had hooted and hollered about at his last show. And just like Chattanooga, Willie opened the show with no introduction or fanfare. It was the same Whiskey River start. Now 15 feet away from him, I could see his black Hawaii shirt needs lint rolling. The deep lines in his face erased the eternal image of an ageless Willie Nelson. It was replaced by the real depiction of an old man. He hadn't traded in his cowboy boots for orthopedics, but even with the boot height boost and my closer proximity, he was much smaller than he appeared in Chattanooga. Between stanzas, Willie gasped for air like he was having difficulty breathing. Several times he pulled a handkerchief from his back pocket to wipe his nose. Maybe he was fighting a cold, or his years of smoking had finally taken their toll. Where his voice sounded ragged in Chattanooga, it sounded scratchy and hoarse tonight. He was less than dynamic and he had already sounded weak. But none of that took away from his stage persona. The audience was no less rowdy. He smiled frequently and repeatedly pointed out an audience member before throwing a signature red bandana straight off his head. Two songs after playing Down Yonder, I heard him ask his band, Have we played Down Yonder yet? It had been less than two songs, and he'd already forgotten what song he'd played. It was either proof that his performances were on autopilot, or that his age was catching up with him. Following a similar set list, during Always On My Mind, I had my Don't Do It Willie moment. Albeit mine was a bit dimmer. The stage lights faded and a lone purple spotlight shone on Willie. I traced the light to the heavens and got a gut feeling. This was it. This was the final time I'd ever see Willie Nelson alive. It was a foreboding experience. A lump formed in my throat and I was certain of his destiny. He looked like a little cowboy angel. Whether it was my premonition or Willie had a reprieve from his illness, I don't know. But that was the night's finest performance. The music once again transcended. Fortunately, this would not be my last time to see Willie. He wasn't called up to the purple stage light in the sky, and I've seen him a handful more times since then, and I anticipate a few more too. But the tragedy wasn't seeing Willie's final performance. It was seeing Willie up close. This wasn't a mythical figure walking the earth. It was a man, an old man struggling to do what he loved. It was Gramps unable to finish telling stories at Christmas and my heart was broken. Legends aren't supposed to die. Running through the casino halls, I burst through the main doors and around the building. Just as I expected, a large tour bus sat waiting outside the venue. I posted up near his bus, and after a few minutes, a small group had formed to wait. Great show, Willie's such a legend. I never get tired of hearing those songs. I could hear the faint echoes of the band still jamming the outro to I Saw the Light from inside the venue. Willie was likely already off the stage and would be out any second now. Alright people, you gotta move. Willie doesn't do any photos or autographs after the show. You need to wait somewhere else. The security guard waved his flashlight in our faces as he motioned for us to move to another area. We just want to say hello real fast. We don't want to bother him. Another fan spoke up. When the show's over, Willie's tired and needs to use the bathroom. He likes to go straight to his bus. There will be no interactions, the guard said. The way this guy spoke told me he had no real authority. He was clearly just a casino lackey who was told to keep fans away from Willie. The naive part of me suspected Willie was going to see his fans and being capable of not saying hello. The venue doors burst open behind us and a group of four people emerged. A man with a towel over his head was accompanied by a woman and two other large men. The woman's arm wrapped around the covered man. They weren't moving all that fast, but there was an urgency in each step. That was Willie. Right there less than 10 feet away from me. 
Sweat dripped down the pronounced wrinkles on his face. His feet moved with little assuredness. To put it bluntly, he was a frail old man. The pushy security guard tried to enforce the no-fan interaction, but Renikop wasn't scary. Hello, everyone. Willie waved to the crowd as he continued to shuffle. One fan ran right up next to him and held their phone in the air. They didn't ask for a selfie, but they also didn't give Willie the chance to say no. Rent-a-cop rushed to the scene and had a butthurt look on his face while she snapped the picture. I could practically hear his internal dialogue. Come on, lady. I said no pictures. Willie forced a grin for the photo, but I could see the concern in his eyes. His face was sweaty and his body was ready to collapse. Willie really did need to get back on that bus. His eyes didn't register anything other than fatigue. Realizing what that lady did was uncool, I took a step back. This is as close as I'm going to get to meeting Willie Nelson. I didn't want to bother him, and I felt a pang of regret for putting him in a situation to deny his fans. But worst of all, I hated the nail in the coffin that night. It was the last confirmation that Willie was just a man. I know that shouldn't be a shocking revelation. Everyone's human, and everyone poops. But after the show in Chattanooga, Willie was larger than life. He was an icon of an outlaw legacy. What I saw that night was a feeble old man. And that's no disrespect to Willie because, let's be honest, he's still doing better than 99% of the people his age. But the legend around him died a little. You don't like to imagine your heroes in need of going to the bathroom because they're too old to control their bladder. You imagine your heroes going to the grave still young gunslinging cowboys. It was the equivalent of seeing Elvis in the late 70s, bloated, slurring his words and looking like a buffoon. Not that Willie looked that bad or even bad for his age, but it was the fulfillment of never meeting your heroes. I drove home that night in silence. The show hadn't lifted me up like the one in Chattanooga. It made me sad. I feared this would be how I'd forever remember him. To some degree, my fears have been set at ease. Since that night, I've seen Willie three more times. None of the shows have been earth-shattering. They're all about even kill. His performances don't even deviate too much. And it's still the old man who's lost all of his subtlety. I don't want to say I've lowered the bar, but my expectations have changed. A lot of reviews complain that he's bad now. He's lost his touch. Well, he's almost 90 years old. What do you expect? I don't go in with expectations of being wowed anymore. I go when I can because I want to pay tribute to an artist who gave me a greater appreciation of music. An artist whose massive songbook has a tune for every emotion. I go now because I want to cram every last opportunity I can to spend the evening with someone whose art I value. The songs may not sound like they did in 1978, or even 2008 for that matter, but they're still the same songs. As I've mentioned many times before, I skipped countless opportunities to see B.B. King, and when he was laid to rest in his internal grave, I had not seen him once. For Willie Nelson, I didn't want to have that same regret. And what do I know? Maybe seeing Willie Nelson needing to use the bathroom was a gift. A gentle reminder that our favorite artists are all human. They're not gods, and their legacies are not eternal. Because just like us, the legends of their iconic days will one day fade and crumble just as ours. But ultimately, their art is our pleasure. A small token of something to make the burden of our days lighter. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Jam Journals and reliving one of my favorite concert memories. Have you seen the artist before? How was your experience? Similar? Better? Worse? Let us know on social media, at Yesterday's Concert. 
We're on all the channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Give us a shout or shoot us an email at info at yesterdaysconcert.com. Until next time, give us a review on Apple Podcasts and check us out at yesterdaysconcert.com. And don't forget, take care of your shoes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.